I, when I started practicing yoga, I, I really began to feel that the biggest change that I could make was on an individual basis to really work with people and uh, like, you know, I started to develop, to, to feel all the benefits of, of searching inward and instead of trying to like change, change things on the outside, like, and that's what my idea was, like, and that's why I wanted to do uh, psychology. I felt like if I talk about stuff with people, that'll help. And, and what I started to realize, like, oh, if I just do the, if I can help inspire people to do the internal work, then that's going to help them to change them to be their best selves, which will change things everywhere, you know, like. This is your time. That was Tim Sinesi. This is Doug, the podcast. There's no dream too big for you to change. Welcome to episode, I don't even know what number I'm up to at the moment. I think this might be 30. Whoopa, 3 And uh, it's, uh, oh, snuck this one in. I'm in Laguna Beach, the real OC, living the dream, about to cycle down to, well, actually fly up to Vancouver and then cycle down towards San Francisco for the next month or so. And I really wanted to get some podcasts in here while I was here. And I managed to go to this local, local yoga studio, Yoga 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 Studio, Yoga Works, and met Tim there, and he was just a dude of a teacher. Uh, hilarious, really strong classes, and funny, just cool guy. And as uh, I've been recommended to go to his class by a couple of people, so the recommendations were spot on. So that was good. And then, um, and then, lucky enough, uh, Tim took me for a surf today too. Went out to Trestles and and uh, had been talking to him about what he's up to, and he's doing this online channel with his yoga which I did actually do one of his classes at home the other night awesome classes so check it out yoga with Tim on YouTube and he's doing some cool projects retreats um, some more online content to a handstand workshop which he mentions at the end of the the podcast but I had all of these my uh, extra mics and lapel mics and maps and different things but they haven't arrived from Amazon so and I actually plugged the wrong mic into this phone so it's not well, I it, but it's not its not the clearest. Um, but the conversation is tip-top. I think Tim's insights and his teaching philosophy, it really resonates with me and his philosophy on life. And he's just a dude escape. Oh, he's been doing some cool skateboarding with his son and surfing. And, um, and he's just a great teacher too, so... And a top bloke, so it'd be awesome to get him down to NZ. But for now, this is kind of a little sampler of what's to potentially to, to come. And, and you can do those classes online with them anyway. You don't need to wait for, wait for, uh, wait for anything to happen. You can just get it going now. And I uh, particularly like his hunger just to kind of make things happen and, and kind of covering off the, a lot of stuff around why you do yoga and the benefits of it. And, but also where it comes from, like you, you got to have some kind of pain to really motivate you to do and to make any change. And uh, it's a big thing I picked up from the Tony Robbins workshops too. Was that most change comes out of either extreme pain or extreme kind of love. So you're either super compelled to do something, or you're really kind of in so much pain you have to make a change. And 
usually pain's one of the best ways to do it so um, it's interesting I always thought the, the most athletic or kind of into it yogis are often the ones they're battling the biggest problems as well so they're the ones who go deeper than anyone else and uh, Tim's gone pretty deep particularly with the Iyengar practice and uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful wonderful story so without too much jibber jabber I'm gonna try and get some few Z's catch up on some sleep and catch a wave a little swim in the morning before I take my bike up north but I hope this finds you well just actually watch the Allbirds game from my couch here in, uh, in Laguna it was a good win but um, we're all winning aren't we if you get that outlook on life, we're all winning. Everything's happening for you, people. Uh, keep spreading the love. If you like it, uh, share it. That's what we're here to do, grow and share. So if you like it, do that, comment, hashtag, I don't know, do anything. But the hashtag and the comments and the reviews are much appreciated. As always, think less, experience more. Here is... Tim, I was going to say, I thought his name was Sensei, which I thought was really, it was like, oh man, he's already got the guru name, <laughs> but it's Sensei, Sinassi, Sinassi, that's got a bit of an Italian twang to it apparently, so he's got some ancestry there, ciao, speaking of Italian, ciao, enjoy. And I forgot to mention, got the Gayatri still running in the background, running, playing, singing, it's good stuff. They're on tour at Wanderlust. They'll be back in NZ soon. Check them out too. Here we go. To let go of fear To create the room For your soul to be To grow To bloom To be excited To run And fly so with your angels, it all happens here when you trust without fear. All right, so we're uh, here with Tim. How do you say your last name? Sensei? Sinesi. Sinesi. Yeah. I was like, Sensei kind of sounds like I get a that. bit of a guru. <laughs> <laughs> People are often disappointed when they learn how to spell my, or how to spell my last name. So how do you say it again? Senesi. 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 And that's... That's an Italian last name. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so you got Italian lineage. Yeah, I got some Italian blood. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Ciao, Bella. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, and for those who are like tuning in who haven't heard of you before, what would you kind of, what would be the elevator pitch as to what you do? What that, yeah, that's a great question. So uh, first... Uh, Hi to everyone listening, and uh, um, so I teach yoga. I teach yoga in in Laguna Beach, California, and I started creating YouTube videos a few years ago with my buddy. Uh, he had a camera, and we thought it'd be a good idea to start putting videos on YouTube. And uh, yeah, so it turned into a whole thing. At first, it was just we didn't really know what we were doing. We we're just creating some videos and uh, now I've got like a putting together a whole thing where we have uh, we post a video every week and then I got a blog the, the site's called Yoga with Tim yeah and it's become like its own thing it's like a whole uh, I thought you know I'd just be teaching yoga class for the rest of my life and and now it's like I got this whole 
different avenue to kind of teach people yoga and, and teach people stuff that I learned about yoga. So. Oh, cool, man. And what, because don't try and double it too much, <laughs> but uh, what, because you got into it at school, at, high, at college. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was because you were in quite a hipster town, was it? <laughs> um, actually, not so much. So the, the funny thing is that uh, when when I was, my first year of college, yoga was still pretty weird here. Like anybody that that found out that I was doing yoga was kind of like, they were weirded out. Like like my buddies, especially, that I knew that I, that I hung out with. So yeah, it, it was still at that stage of yoga. Um, and I, I was looking for a way to become physically fit, but, um, and I was looking for the healthiest way. So I started like going to the school gym and I thought like, I just like the standard way that you find out people get fit. Like they lift weights and they run and I was like, okay, I'll try doing that. And, 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 you know, I got, I got some, uh, I felt pretty healthy from doing that, but really what it was is I was taking this psychology class. I was a psych major. And we had this guy come to my class, and he was the Chiquita Banana Man from like Chiquita Banana. He used to have these commercials when we were kids, and there was there was like this eight-year-old guy, and they had him like jumping hurdles, and like he like runs. He still does like uh, like Olympics for you know the aging. I don't know what they call that group. <laughs> the Master <laughs> Olympics. Or something yeah, like the Master. Okay, so yeah. Anyway, so this guy came to my class, and and he was like he was super fit and sharp as a tack, and like just the the most like mentally and physically fit one you know one of that I've ever seen at that age and it was it was amazing he was like he's having people from the class like come up and punch him in the abs he's like look look at how strong I am and I was like wow this guy so he told us he's like my secret is that like I wake up every morning and I eat like this um he was like into this eating like all these different grains and stuff and I eat that but the real secret is that I stretch I wake up every day and I stretch and I go upside down. I was like, man, that's I'm not doing that. I'm doing the weights and the thing, but I'm not going upside down or stretching. So how can I learn? And I saw at the school gym, I was walking in one day, they had this little flyer up, and it was a picture of a guy doing yoga. And I was like, oh, okay, guys can do yoga. Like, I'll go to this yoga class. And uh, so he has a very long-winded answer. But I was like... It was me and like one other creepy dude like checking out all the chicks and then like <laughs> like 70 girls taking this yoga class at the school gym, you know? So, and the funny thing is, is that like, even though like I, th I thought I was really fit, like I was pretty cardiovascular, had some pretty good cardiovascular health because I've been running and I was lifting the weight, so I felt like I was pretty strong. But this was like a whole different type of strength and focus. And like, I was like shaking and sweating. I was looking at like, these like skinny girls next to me who are like having no problem. I was like, geez, I felt like so. And so, uh, yeah, it was like, it was a physical challenge. It was really, it was a strong class that I went to. And that's what kind of hooked me with, about yoga at first. I was like, this is a great workout. I also get to stretch and, you know, I get to learn to go upside down. So I'm getting all those benefits. So that was what initially attracted me. But also I started to notice, like I felt, the way that I felt in my head after yoga class was much different than any of the feeling. Like, you know, you get the runner's high, you get kind of like the pump. Arnold talks about the pump you get when you lift. <laughs> like, that's a really good feeling. But uh, but the yoga feeling is like a much more balanced, like, uh, 
connected feeling. I felt really connected. I wasn't high. I wasn't, I didn't have a crazy pump going, but I just, I felt, um, I felt much more calm like that. Uh, and you know, this is, this is something I, I talk about on my site a little bit, but, uh, it, like the human condition can be exaggerated in some people. And growing up, I always felt like I had, uh, I had like always like a, you know, a real sense of being different and a lot of social anxiety. And when I took that yoga class at the, at the end, uh, I felt like, like all that kind of went away, like the mental noise for a little bit. And I was like, wow, that, that was like a really cool feeling. It came back like, you know, like shortly after, but every time I kept going back to this class and feeling like, man, I really get this different feeling from my head as well. Oh, that's... I saw a friend the other day talking about meditation. He said, time slows down, mm. like he does in the morning, kind of time. Yeah, I had the same the same experience of that. Because we're kind of all chasing a headspace more than a, mm. like, actually one of the first guys Ryan Emerton interviewed on my podcast too. I was like, why do you work out? Why do you do these things? And he said, just so I can think better. Mm. Like everything was engineered. He like structures work out just to get his mind in the best headspace so he could work. And um, I hadn't thought about like backwards engineering it like that, but that's kind of what yeah feel from yoga as well. It's funny how. Um, but what 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 was the catalyst to like want to get fit too? Because at college, it's pretty probably pretty unhealthy lifestyle as it is in yeah, New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I I grew up like being a little bit into um, skateboarding and snowboarding, and um, I grew up in in Southern California and that those are like those are kind of like the the things to do in school like uh, so I grew up I grew up in that scene but not really excelling or dedicating much time to it I would I would kind of go occasionally and so I, I wasn't like in good shape and I always felt a little like self-conscious about about my body you know in Southern California that can be like a pretty heavy thing you know and uh, but uh, so I, I felt a little self-conscious and I wanted I, I started to want to to feel like to feel good in my own skin, and I thought that if I looked a certain way, it would help me. Kind of like what you're saying with the headspace to feel better in my own skin. But like, come to realize that that didn't do it. Like that that really wasn't where it was at. That it was a whole mental thing that, and really a whole spiritual thing, in my opinion. I don't you know want to get too into that, but uh, that really that that the and that wasn't what it was initially, but as I got more into the yoga, month by month, year after year, that's what it started to uncover. That it really, it was a much deeper thing than like how I looked or even how I felt. There was like, and it just like that's kind of what yoga is. I think. I think when people first get into yoga, I think you know I don't know what the vibe is that it, were in uh, in New Zealand, but I know like uh, in Southern California, in Orange, especially in Orange County, that it, there's like uh, we were talking about this earlier. There's like a whole aesthetic trip that. You know, people want to want to get a good workout when they go to yoga class. So, um, yeah, the layers just kept just kept. Un- it was like an onion, you know. I just kept kept peeling back. Yeah, it's a great answer. And what so you started? Um, I was I almost feel like the someone put a post up the other day that people think the yoga people are the most like zen, and usually they're the most. They're battling the most pain, or the oh, yeah. you know, it's like where <laughs> it's got the most uh, kind of 
whatever trouble in the closet to want to sure. like break and do something different. No, um, totally. I remember just thinking like, I feel so terrible drinking and just it was like depressing the feeling of being hungover or just feeling out of shape or um, yeah. And and I I don't think some people just feel enough pain to cross the border to want to try something different. Right, right. Or they've got their own own method, like we're out surfing today, and I'm like, for some people, you know, that's probably just their, their go-to, and they, they don't need anything more than that. Sure. I don't know. But, um, but then after practicing for a while, you got, you're teaching now, so what was the first step to, we thought, so you did psychology major? I got, I, well, uh, let me answer your question a little bit better there. So, yeah, I'll go in a little more depth about it, which by the way, we did have an epic session at Trestles today. That was really fun. Yeah, we got thank lowered. you, man. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> that was like a highlight of my trip. That was so nice. Yeah, beautiful. So, uh, yeah, you said like in, in college, like um, I talk I talk a little more about this, like uh, I go in a little more detail on, on my website about kind of like my personal journey, but I kind of, uh, I always felt like I would swing to extremes as in, in my personality. And, uh, and also I would get like really in, like, kind of like, like hooked, like addicted to stuff, like pretty easily. And, uh, when I was in college, like, uh, it was really like the drinking lifestyle, like wasn't as easy for me to shut off as some of my friends. Like, for example, like they would, they would party and then they'd be cool. Whereas like, I would want like more and more and more and more and more. And, uh, I, I could kind of feel that that I was getting like pulled into like kind of like a, a, a very unhealthy style of living. And what you said like about like the, like, Oh, people think like the yoga people must be very Zen. Like, yeah. Like I, I've noticed like for a lot of, a lot of my friends that, that really got into yoga, like pain is a, is a great catalyst. And like the people who like really get into yoga are often in a lot of pain that they're like trying to work through. They're trying to like, they're trying to get at that pain. And that's what it was for me. I, I had like, I had a lot of this like inner pain and turmoil that I was trying to get at. And, uh, and the, the more that I practiced, the more I peeled it back and was able to kind of finally see really what, what, what the root of it was. But, uh, I, I think that might answer your question a little bit better about the whole college scene, mm. but college was fun. I did have yeah. fun for a few years. And so you came out with psychology. Uh, so psychology. I actually, I switched, I, sw- I switched, I did, I switched in, I got into poli sci. I was going to become like, I thought, well, I always, I always had an interest in, in like wanting to, to affect change and, and help people. And I thought, I thought as in political science, I wanted to like work with the United Nations and maybe become like an international lawyer or something and, and try to affect policy. But I, 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 when I started practicing yoga, I, I really began to feel that the biggest change that I could make was on an individual basis to really work with people. And, uh, like, you know, I started to develop, to, to feel all the benefits of, of searching inward. And instead of trying to like change, change things on the outside, like, and that's what my idea was like, and that's why I wanted to do, uh, psychology. I felt like if I talk about stuff with people that'll help them. And what I started to realize, like, oh, if I just do the, if I can help inspire people to do the internal work, then that's going to help them to change them to be their best selves, which will change things everywhere. You know, like 
that'll change. That'll be the biggest. And I got into, I started reading Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. And I saw these, these like really influential people that developed this psychology where, yeah, like we really have to inspire people to want to, you know, Gandhi, like to, to be the change and to, and, and that's, uh, it's so it shifted my focus on, on how I thought was the best way to go but, about helping. Yeah. Well, that, even that example, that guy who came to your class, just being the, what do you say, the taco guy or the... the yeah, the shitty banana guy. Yeah, like, he's just... <laughs> yeah, totally inspired me. Man, and guy changed my life. Yeah. One guy just, just flaunting his... And practicing what he preaches, obviously, right. which is... Um, so I find that more and more now I'm just attracted to people who are super happy, who have got just got it going on in different parts of their life, and you just you just model that. You know, find out what they're what, what are you doing, man? Um, and uh, and then so you did a so you did a vinyasa teacher training after was it after college? Oh yeah, so that's I know, I didn't really tell you about this, but uh, yeah, so in in college, like very organically. My, my friends who were curious started saying, like, teach us some of the yoga stuff you're learning. And I'm, okay, like, come over, like, we'll get, <laughs> like, three people together, and I'll teach, like, a mini class. And I'd always felt, thought of myself to, to kind of, like, I really enjoy teaching things to people. And uh, so I, I kept doing that. And then uh, one summer, like, I think it was my junior going to my senior year, uh, I didn't want to have to go back home over the summer break and I didn't have to want to like sit at a de- uh, the, the summer before I like sat at a desk. I did telemarketing to stay for the summer. I was like, I don't want to do telemarketing again. And all my buddies were staying and they said like, well, just put up some signs downtown and try to get together a yoga class. We'll all come to it. We'll pay, we'll all pay you like five bucks for the class, put up some signs, some people will come. So I had no idea what I was doing, no, for- nor for- no formal training. I, I was reading books, I was studying as much as I could and taking as many classes as I could. So I was just trying to like mimic what I was learning in class and like, like you know, sh- uh, just jamming to learn as much as I could from the books. And uh, so that's what I got. I had a friend who had a, a printing company. He printed these like really legitimate flyers. We put them up all over town. I would go down to the, the market every Wednesday. There's a, this was a, a surf town near the school I went to called Ocean Beach. And uh, so every Wednesday they'd have like the street fair and I, I was out there like with my signs like telling come to my yoga class and um, hardly any people came but <laughs> but like my a few of my friends did show up but what happened was with the flyers everywhere there was this big studio called Namaste and I was like the main studio and it was like the legit studio and the owner saw my flyer and she was like man this guy must be legit <laughs> from the flyer <laughs> she had no idea so she had me come sub a class and like some of the people liked the class and she was like, great, you're in, you got a Saturday morning class. And I was like, that's like, that's a huge thing. You know, like I didn't know at the time, but like a Saturday, that's like the biggest thing you can have in yoga. And uh, she threw me right into it. So I was teaching and I, I felt like, man, I, I really feel like a fraud. And I feel like <laughs> people would ask me like, oh, how do you do Ardha Chandrasana? Like, help me with this half moon I'm like, uh, you just do it like this. Like, uh. <laughs> so... Um, and then so I'd, and then I'd go home and like study about whatever they asked me, and so I'd know it for next time. And that's like you know, uh, <laughs> I did that for a couple of years, two years actually. And then I was like, okay, I really need to. <laughs> I feel like a fraud. I really need to 
do something. And so uh, I ended up starting to study. Of all the books I read, when I go to look up the answers, uh, BKS Iyengar's book was the most thorough on any of the subjects. And it really, it seemed like, man, this guy really lives and practices what he preaches, and he's such an authority. So I thought, I have to find someone that teaches Iyengar yoga. I didn't even know if that was a thing. So I just started looking for her on the internet, like, where's Iyengar yoga? And I found someone, I went to her class, and that, you know, it was kind of like, that just started my whole path of how I got my training. Oh, that's so good. Like the first thing I remember they said on our teacher training was, you'll never be ready to teach. Like you never feel like you're ready. You just got to start teaching. And uh, that's taking a step, 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 uh, step back again, which is cool. But there's obviously some like um, creativity and panache and like hunger there to make it happen, which is cool. Yeah, which I, I think so. is the like secrets of life for what. Well, I was listening to another Tony Robbins piece yesterday, I think, and just like the secrets of the commonalities between Richard Branson, between uh, Oprah Winfrey, between top athletes, all these people was just, just hunger, mm. like wanting to, they'll find out a way to get it, like mm-hmm. get it done. Mm-hmm. You're just like, you're just doing the flyers and you don't even know where it's going to lead, but <laughs> by doing it, you kind of get somewhere. Um that's cool because I really enjoyed the Iyengar component to your class, but now you've you've trained under this guy. Was it Paul? So the, the way that my Iyengar training began was there was a there's this lady local. Her name is Megan Bello, and so I started. I, I went to her studio, and I was I was working on my masters, working at a restaurant at night, and I was just completely broke. I had barely enough money to pay for the classes. And she could kind of, she could tell that I might not be sticking around because I, I, I think she could tell I wasn't going to be able to afford the classes. But I told her, I was like, I'm really, I really want to study yoga. And um, so she kind of said, like, uh, tell you what, I'll let you, well, why don't you do some work for the studio and you can take free classes. And I was like, boom, I'm in. Great. Okay. So I started doing that. And then um, uh, I... I had moved. I had moved from Ocean Beach. That's why I was I was in Orange County and uh, trying to get on my feet here in Orange County. So, and um, and I'd stopped teaching because I felt I eventually felt like very. Uh, I felt like such a fraud. I felt convicted. So I was like, I, I can't. I can't teach anymore. I gotta like just stop and, and train and make sure that I'm really. Because I was like, am I gonna be hurting people? I don't. I don't want. I don't want that. I don't want to be giving people the wrong message. So anyways, um, uh, she kind of said, like, tell you what, start, start, work, start practicing on a light on yoga. And, um, and then, you know, I'll start helping you if you start practicing on a light on yoga. So she just started, she, she eventually told me that out of all the people that had ever come to her asking for help or training or guidance she had told them all start practicing out of light on yoga and out of all the people hundreds of people would ever came to her i was me and one other chick were the only people that had ever gone and done it so that brings up your like the you know the 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 tenacity to like just mm-hmm. do something like and uh one of my my favorite woody allen quotes is like he just says like you know a huge percent of it is just showing like 70 or 80 but just just showing up like and so that's what I, I just kept showing up, and I just kept practicing out of the book. 
And eventually she kind of said like, here, here's my teacher. If you want to do the, if you want to go through the whole anger training, you can mentor under this person. And then her name was Anna Delury. So I, I met Anna Delury and she was just, it was like the female version of Yoda. She's like, she's just such this like trip of a person to hang out with. Like, and, uh, and then she, they both recommended that I start studying with, uh, a guy named Manuso Manos, who's here, he's in San Francisco, and he's kind of like the, he had been studying, he's one of Iyengar's original students, been traveling to study with Iyengar since the 70s, so um, it's like a real blessing, like here in California, we got a lot of these like old school practitioners who've been traveling to India since the 70s, so I was kind of lucky that they just kind of pointed me in the right direction, just like, okay, keep going keep studying from these people, keep showing up, don't get cocky and think that you know stuff and stop taking the trainings, keep going to the trainings. And so that's kind of what I, I did a three-year apprenticeship with uh, this lady named Anna Delury. And, uh, but I still continue to take Megan's classes even to this day. And uh, there's also this, this really rad guy named Paul Cabanese. What happened was uh, at the end of my training with Anna, she went on sabbatical so she could spend more time with her family. So she stopped teaching any classes at all, and she sent me to this guy named uh, Paul Cavanese, who was, like, uh, I guess, like, her most senior student. And and it was it was funny because, like, I, like, through my journey, I just kept getting directed to these teachers that, you know, like, there's that, there's that idea of, like, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And each teacher, like, had this different dimension of, uh, of yoga to show me. Like for where I was at in my like in my onion layer, we'll keep going with this metaphor for this. But uh, when I got to Paul, like I, I I guarantee, like if I had met Paul like even two years earlier than that, I'd be like, this guy's a trip. I don't I don't get his whole trip. But I was he like just he completely blew my mind on a whole nother level. So um, yeah, that's that's the guy who I still really enjoy taking his class. Paul Cavanese, he's a teacher in, in Los Angeles. Oh, there's so many layers just to right. life and the yeah, the practice. It's the yeah, like the analogy of almost like a string or a you kind of tug on it and then you can never quite go back mm. or you have kind of start to unravel the mystery, as it were. Um, right, right. And yeah, every time you seem to kind of think you're getting ahead, it's like something just sparks curiosity again, just kind of lays the, actually that podcast with Vincent, he just kind of talked about yoga as a giant question mark on everything. So you just keep asking more and more questions about mm. what you do, why you do. Um, what would your kind of uh, daily routine look like now as a, as a teacher, like in terms of practicing, teaching, filming, family as well? Right, right. That's a pretty full on, yeah, it is a pretty full-on gig. Um, yeah, just like uh, just juggling all the different and you know wearing all the different hats. Um, for for years, when I was single, I would wake up every morning and practice for maybe like two to three hours. Oh wow! Yeah, every morning, and um, I would do I would do the light on yoga sequences, which they actually they start off like he tricks you because they're they're very short in the beginning. It's like twenty or thirty minutes. And then before you know it, like a year deep, you're practicing for two and a half hours to get through these sequences. 
So uh, it like just keeps pulling you deeper into the practice. But so I did that. I also I I practiced the shanga for a while. There's this really epic teacher named Tim Miller here locally. Um, so I, I I would I would do that, and um, I was really into like the home practice and practicing, and then I I would take the take my trainings too at the same time. But uh, so then like you know as as life became more busy and um, I started teaching more. Uh, I try to, I try to dedicate more time to like recently, I just got back from skating and <laughs> recently my, my kid has gotten into skateboarding and I've probably spent more time at the skate park than I have practicing on the mat more recently, but that's really enjoyable too. And I think that, that, that time was appropriate. The time of like, a really intense practice for, you know, all my, uh, um, late teens and early twenties that I got to do and, you know, up until almost 30. But, um, uh, I think that, uh, that, sh- that like physically you don't need that, that intense amount of physical practice. And even like, uh, I don't know if you've heard this whole idea, but like, uh, kind of like, like Iyengar and Patabi Joyce, from what I understand, their guru kind of told them like, yeah, you, you do like intense asana until this age, and then you focus on meditation until this age, and then you like completely stop doing any asana at all, and then that's like your meditation life. And from what I've read, like uh, Iyengar has got this book called Tree of Yoga, and he kind of says like, that's, that's kind of the, the path of life, is that once you start your family life, switch gears and then you focus on you know like being the best family person you could be mm-hmm. and uh you know you, you have your career life if you have to have a career life some people they maybe they just want to become a monk or something and that's different for them but uh yeah so i i, I just try to do that now like and invest in the in the family time and uh so what does my practice look like now i Two days a week, I teach early morning private, so I don't practice in the morning. Instead, I just like I fit it, I sneak it in, in the afternoon, and then um, uh, otherwise, after after like family time in the morning, then I'll I'll give like an hour an hour to practice. And will it be like a specific sequence, or you'll do you'll just do whatever feels right that day, or? That, that kind of depends, like, on on how... So now I used to, like, I used to be, like, this is the sequence I do, no matter what. I have to do this sequence, like, whether it was, like, the Shanga sequence. I have to do it exactly like this. Now I kind of base it on my energy levels and kind of, like, how much I've kicked my own ass that week. Like, did I surf for, like, a ton? Or, like, were we skating? Like, am I completely... Are my legs completely shot out? And so now I'm more, now I look at the practices more to keep me healthy in a sense of help sustain my energy levels. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of look, it looks different. Like if, if I'm, if I, I'll, I'll do like more yin floor work, which if, you know, if I, like at age 25, if I would have heard myself saying that would have been like, oh, what a, that's so lame. Yin is just the lamest, like do some real yoga. But yeah, it's like, um, I, I get, I don't have to do the intense physical practice to get the same mental stability. 
like I had really had to kick my own ass to get the mental the the mental quiet and calm at the end and now I don't have to you know I can just like lay on my back and do some nice stretches and I feel like ah, everything feels calm and then I can just spend some quiet time and meditate so it doesn't take quite as much yeah that's interesting because I teach yin but I only feel like doing yin if I've done some real strong yang hmm. or it feels like if I've just been kind of teaching, haven't practiced, and then have to teach again, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do another one myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that balance. It's interesting with the ages too. I think even in an autobiography of a yogi, there's a lot of like asana early in his career, and then he kind of peters off as well. Mm. And I've heard a lot of, I've heard that kind of um, that kind of theory talked about a lot. Uh, in terms of like meditation being the ultimate goal, and you're kind of laying the foundations for that. But the and what about the other kind of parts of your routine? Because we had a pretty uh, sweet cup of tea this afternoon too, which has had a bit of spice to it. Ayurveda <laughs> 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 herbs and yeah, right. Um, and you're talking about how and I'm the same. If it's if I know it's good for me, I don't really care what it tastes like. I love good tasting <laughs> right, right, food, right. but I'm like, oh, I need my like, I need to chase that headspace or that body feeling. And so the wheatgrass, I was feeling quite acidic, I think, after having beans and rice or something today and corn chips and just not enough greens. And I was like, I'm just going to smash a handful of greens because I don't care what it tastes like. Um, and so what's your kind of food component like look like as well or the other parts of your day? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Like, uh, yeah, I try not to be too... They, um, I mentioned earlier that I tend to be like an extremist and I can go like very extreme on stuff. So uh, I don't know if the whole raw vegan thing is kind of a, a scene where... It, it's picked uh, up. Oh, it yeah, has yeah. Okay. I used to work, I, when I lived advertising, there's a cafe with Little Bird and it was like the first one that would be like super trendy, amazing desserts and food and everything was raw and vegan. Yeah, so it's definitely catching on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I went from like uh, like living like a really toxic life to like thinking like, oh, I'm going to swing all the way and I'm going to like eat as healthy as possible now. Now that I'm like, now that I'm trying to be healthy and do yoga. So I, I went like, you know, super strict, like raw vegan. Like if I was like, if I was at like a family thing, like I would, I'd bring my own like salad that I made or like I'd go out with my friends and like, no, like I, I have my, I always had a salad in my car cause I, I couldn't eat. And then, so I was like, like, uh, you know, I, I kind of think about like, like, uh, like Buddha, like how the Buddha, how he went from like those extremes, you know, from like, and now I, I, I kind of try to be like more like middle ground on that. So, anyways, I, I eat as I eat as healthy and clean as possible, and um, I'm like you, I, I love just eating like, like I steam greens. That's my thing. Like I don't eat any like dressings or. Oh, no, so dri- I, no dressings. No, no dress, just oh. straight up. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I loved, I, and I, I think if, I think if eating is like, I eat to get all the nutrients. Yeah. And I think, that, you know, we kind of connected on that. Like every day I want to, I want to try to get as, as many nutrients as I can through my food. So that's the way I look at food. And I know like a foodie would just be like cringing at hearing that. Like that's just the worst way of thinking about food. And, and, uh, so yeah, and, and now in my life, like uh, I've got like I, I I've got like a foodie friend who's kind of like opened me up more to thinking like okay, well 
you can still get all your nutrients and make it good again. I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. Okay, so, but uh, I, I try to be as balanced as I can. Try to, uh, I try to eat like as alkaline as possible and, and drink uh, clean water and, yeah. So when we had uh, the Joe's today. What is that? Fijoas, the fruit of yeah, oh, yeah. Is that yeah. what they're called? Well, that's I want to Google it right now because <laughs> in New Zealand we have them everywhere and they're the best thing ever, and we call them Fijoas. I've never heard if they've been called anything else before, but um, Fijoas or oh, it's got some fancy Latin name. Oh, it is called pineapple guava, or some oh, people really? have, have called it pineapple guava. Yeah, they're just falling off the tree. I didn't weren't sure what they were, and so they're I smashed amazing. them one day and started licking it. <laughs> like, when in doubt, is, just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, okay, that's actually one one thing that I that I really feel strongly about in food is as fresh and local as possible. I really think that that's the movement that food should be going towards now. If, if I were to, you know, if, when I was in the raw vegan trip, I was like, raw vegan's the way. I, I don't know if that's right for everybody anymore, but uh, I I think that. I think that is as fresh as possible because one thing I learned from that whole raw vegan trip was that once you pick something, it's just, it starts dying, right? You know, like mm -hmm. the salad, the, the lettuce in your fridge, how long did it take to get to the grocery store? How many days have you had it in your fridge? Every day, like the, the vital element of that plant is dying, you know? So, uh, so I like to try to eat stuff as soon as I can, like, you know, when I go to the store, I like, I dig through the back. If I do go to the store, I, tr I like to go to the farmer's market and try to get them to give me like the freshest stuff. I'm like, no, all this stuff you have, I can tell this is the, where's the freshest stuff in the back? And I'm like, all right. So yeah, I'm, I'm into that. I think that that's like something important and, and local. I think that's like, that's a good push that, people, that we should be making. Yeah. Uh, even, um, a friend, Ben Warren, who's, I actually did another podcast with him too, but his study of nutrients and looking at Tony Robbins and like all these guys being super fascinated with where do you get your energy from and um, and even something like I think vitamin C and orange juice, if the orange juice is left out for more than a minute, it's just a, it disappears. Or no there's, way. There's all kinds of things like you say when it's, it's taken out of context and then when it's left, because everything's living, even like plants right, are living, right. so then everything's just dying like you say. Um, but the yeah, the do you, do we eat any meat, seafood, anything like that? Then yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for so like uh, even after I did after I got off the raw vegan trip, I was still vegetarian. But uh, I felt like I always felt very lethargic. Like it was it was difficult for me to not like not the mental trip of of getting into my practice, but physically I felt like like very drained. And, uh, and all throughout the day. And eventually I went on a, I went on a yoga retreat with that Ashanga teacher, Tim Miller, and we were all having food and he was eating fish from the place. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my, I, I felt like, you know, he's committing a sin. Like it really freaked me out. And I, I was like, you eat fish? And he was like, yeah. And he explained to me like, like basically what I've been going through, I felt like really lethargic and it was really hard for me to like you know, participate with my family and teach. And so, you know, I had to think like, what was ahimsa for me? Like, you know, what, I was kind of being violent to my body 
by not giving it what it needed. I don't know what my Italian ancestors ate that made me so that I'm, uh, you know, I haven't done the blood type thing, but I'd have to imagine that that I'm of the, the, the variety. Because I trust me, I tried everything. I did all, like, because I was so, like, adamant about this, like, vegan lifestyle, this is the way. And I so I did all the supplements, all and nothing worked for me. So maybe I did it wrong. Maybe someone else some advice for me. But, um, yeah, so now now I eat, I eat fish. I try to stick to fish. Once in a while, I'll have some other types of meats, but... And we just what was that movie we were talking about that we just saw with the, uh, the hunting and the Captain Fantastic. Yeah, what yeah. a rad movie. Yeah. But I was thinking like I gotta start doing my own fishing. Yeah. They but they outlawed Nina was telling me that they outlawed any type of fishing around here. Oh uh, yeah. You used to be able too. to go like spear fishing. Yeah. Like we go over in these coves and like with spears and try to get fish fish and so I have to go. Of course I think uh, Louis C.K. I just think he's genius and then there's this this newer guy named tom segura because he's got a netflix special but I, I went to go see him recently he's he's epic um i really like that guy those, those are like um two of my favorite guys but yeah it's weird because the whole the yoga thing is it's it's this like whole rhetorical format where even like i, I don't know what the vibe is um by your house, but it seems like even if I walk into a class, like class full of people, and you're like, "Hey, how's everyone doing?" They're like, they don't say anything, and you're like, "Okay," because it's like you know they think like I have to be in my meditation yeah. mode now, like I have to. Is this a test or something? Like so, but I do try to use humor to like we were talking earlier about how like a class can get like very heavy and heady, and and I try to use humor to to keep people present. And to, you know, break, break the, like, break it getting too heady. Yeah, I don't, I, so, yeah. That's good. What's, uh, what's your favorite, have you got one, one joke that's like the go-to when things are getting, getting heavy? Yeah. I, I have different jokes for different, like, <laughs> I'm like a standard thing of, of jokes for different things, like, uh. Oh man, I've been trying. <laughs> I got busted for like recycling jokes though, so I <laughs> I I stopped using a lot of the standards. But yeah, people are like we yeah we've heard this like twenty times, Tim. So uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know if I have like a catchphrase one like that teacher Annie Carpenter we were talking about. She's got like a like when people are all like tripping out, she's like y'all breathing, and like that's her that's her funny thing. I don't know. I don't know if I got like a standard one that I use. I try, I try to mix it up. Nice. I like the um, why your arms getting so heavy. Or oh, least, <laughs> yeah. I quite like that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's quite nice, and um, yeah, it adds like such a fresh, a fresh element to it. Actually, I watched. Sometimes when I feel like I'm not sure where to go, I just watch a little bit of Steve Ross online, uh -huh. and he's got some good, just really good one-liners. Oh, really? Um, I gotta watch that. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're really advanced, just take one breath now and hold it to the end of class, <laughs> and and things about knocking other people over and trying to hurt anyone, and you put on some kind of maybe like a two-pack track or something like uh -huh. a hip-hop track and. Oh, this is a great. This is a great kind of traditional backbend song to do, you know, <laughs> and just 
just pull the carpet out. Just like, yeah, I'm sure it could be. Because there's, there's a beauty to stand-up comedians or comedians that they're just a bit removed from, they've got this bigger perspective. They're not so caught in it. They're mm. not in that kind of lower mind of like, right, right, can't right. eat, I need to do that. They can just kind of step back and be like, shit, this is all going on. Even watch yourself. Right. I feel like people are funniest when they're at their best authentic and just kind of not so attached to their sense of identity and having to be someone. It's like, yeah, just, for sure. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's like a great, a great, great skill. And we're kind of talking about the Iyengar practice too of the having to train a certain way and only teach a certain way and have this real preg, like dogmatic approach and how, there's probably a place for that. I don't know. There's always been places for that, but mm. the the balance of it and like if your goal is to help lots of people, then that could be really limiting. For sure. And limiting to what your dharma is too, or what your talents are. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like you, we we spoke about this earlier about like the the idealism and and then like being dogmatic, and I th- I think. I really, I really thought that if I like, I followed these strict guidelines, that I could, I could get out of the human condition almost. Like I could escape. Like that. I, like I was gonna, I was gonna get enlightened if I really did all this stuff, and I wouldn't have to like, I wouldn't have to deal with with like dishes and shit. <laughs> yeah, it, like you know, I'd just be like, I'd be on a pink cloud all my life from then and from then on. But uh, it didn't happen. Like no matter how hard I sun saluted, it was not going to happen. Like my, I was not becoming free. So, anyways, like I, I, I think, uh, I think that you know the practices, in my, like should should just help you to be like not such a jerk, really. Like in. <laughs> And if if the practice is, is doing that for you and like and and giving you perspective like like why I think I enjoy stand up comedy and why I enjoy cultural anthropology is like it's kind of like taking a step back from like as if like people are running around in a maze or like you know it's like it's taking a step back and being like oh look at this maze that I've been running around in like isn't that funny that I thought that was reality and and it it, it like it gives you fresh perspective and I think that. That even like that, that having a, a dogmatic approach to even yoga practice is like is like jumping into the maze. Like I'm gonna get to the enlightenment if I just keep running around in this maze, and uh, just to take a step back from that, like limiting. I don't want to offend anybody who like really follows the tradition because I really respect that. But uh, um, I think uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone at the same time. But, uh, yeah, it's the, but I even thought, I listened to like Ramdas talk about, he was like a psychologist at, was it Harvard or one of the kind of top kind of Ivy League schools. And, um, but when he had LSD for the first time, he realized everything he learned was just a theory. It wasn't mm. a reality. He hadn't experienced any of it. And, um, and he talked about meditating with his guru for the first time and coming back from Vipassana and his, his teacher was like, okay, show me what you've learned. Show me how you meditate. And they all kind of like, all him and his mates, like they stood real straight and just kind of like did the mudra and like looked looked legit. And the the curator started laughing, and he's and uh, and he talked about every uh, technique being a trap. It was a tool to get you to the next 
stage, but every technique had its own trap. Um, and so the technique wasn't, or the, or the, the practice wasn't the end goal. Um, it's interesting how he phrased it. And I was like, oh, it's, it's like a tool to peel off more layers of the onion, but it's not kind of the center of the onion or whatever it is, the, the ultimate goal. And I don't know what the, obviously there's people who've experienced those deeper layers, but, um, I love like Tony's philosophy of just like, as you're growing and contributing more, you're just happy if you're mm. getting better at anything. So if you're getting better at meditation or surfing or skating, it's like it starts to fill that bucket. Maybe with the family, you're growing right, the right. family and then you're contributing. You've got someone to contribute to. Yeah. That gives you that happiness and that peace and in, the, in a different way, which makes sense to me from that strategic, like looking at our society as like, people are just happy when they're growing and they're sharing and they're with family and they're with friends and they're, bring something new to the table, like food, ideas, yeah. practice. Um, and that just makes so much sense for me. I'm like, it's so simple. Yeah, and that's like, like uh, the, whole, the whole yoga practice for me was, was uh, really vital. Like what we were talking about, uh, how I spent like so many hours practicing. I really thought that that was like, but it, it, and it, that was like really a whole selfish trip I started to feel like. Like, taking all that time, like, what was that doing for anybody besides, like, just me spinning off in, like, a little room by myself, like, trying to get my legs behind my head perfectly than the day before. And uh, and really, like, um, the, the feeling that I got initially from yoga, the, the most sustainable was, for me, it eventually just became, like, being of service. And, uh, like, times that I can be of service and I feel like I'm contributing, that's when I'm getting out of my own head the best. And um, now I now what I think of the yoga practice is really just a tool for me so that throughout my day I can be present and just look at, look at ways that I can, I can give instead of get. Like, what, what is that book? Uh, is it... Ishmael, did you ever read Ishmael? That's like a pretty epic book. But he, I, I think it's in Ishmael where he talks about that there's di- there's like different types of people that are takers and leavers. And uh, now I just try to think like like if if I don't do my thing that keeps me spiritually fit, then all day I'm gonna be thinking about what I can take. Like what am I gonna get? What am I getting from this? But if I take that time and center myself and get my head right. Then, like, all day I'm walking into class and being, like, how can I give these people, like, the best experience? And then, like, how can I be, like, rad to the chick at the checkout line where I'm picking up my food or whatever instead of being, like, how freaking long is this chick going to take? Like, I need to go to my next thing. And so, yeah, like, that, that, that really, to me, is, like, is the thing, like, that, that the practice should be doing for us. Oh, that's so good. That's like life happening for you and giving <laughs> instead of getting it. That's uh, fun when you're in the heads, that headspace, you're smiling all day and it's just everything's a joy. Um, a few questions to wrap up. Actually, I wanted to tap into um, like being a dad and having a family and stuff too because as a young guy when you're doing yoga with like 70 chicks in a room and you're single <laughs> and you're like, like how much of that... Um, I've noticed that's driven me for a lot of things and how like mm. deeper connection you can have with someone is like when you can share an experience with someone you love is almost like the, I feel the pinnacle of 
two people's lives in one moment or something like that. Um, have you found a quite a big change in your life since transitioning? Because you you're married now. Yeah. N- yeah, to Nina. Nina. Yeah. Um. The, the first change I started to notice is that, like, uh, a lot of the, the young chicks that would try to talk to me after class just stopped showing up. My numbers kind of suffered initially, and my retreats were not as full. So, with, don't... Uh, so, um, <laughs> no, but... <laughs> um, I, uh, of course, like, uh, I, I think, I think being committed in a relationship, you, you learn a ton, like, you know, you hold up a mirror to yourself and, uh, you get to, you get to see lots of things and, and it adds a different dimension of growth. Um, and yeah, it's, it's made me more serious. Like, like that time when I probably like, I might, I think my teaching was more selfish too at that time because it was all just like about like, it was still it was still a lot about me and uh and I don't know. And uh it touched on like the spiritual practice, but it's very kind of like a deeper obviously there's like the deeper meditation layers and levels and do you have any kind of practice or thoughts on that? Like beyond the it's funny that Duncan, who I trained in his other business partners, like just a real spiritual guy, and he he said family is not the high point for him. Like, and, <laughs> yeah, and I was, was going to say that the way he structured <laughs> it was quite interesting. And, and he's like, oh, it's just because it's fleeting. Like it wasn't. He was so into samadhi and seeing all these like really crazy like miracles and jewels being created in someone's hand in these caves and all kind of, like I don't know the stories were. Oh wow. Um, pretty convincing and they're backed up by other people and it was like he'd experienced something that was deeper beyond what he could have with just someone um but uh yeah i don't know like then i've heard it's just different iterations of that i don't know if you had layers of meditation or experiences that kind of pull you into that deeper spiritual practice mm-hmm. or even ideas around that of like um you know, divine forces or, you know, grace, even things happening for you as, as like you're being guided and, and that kind of something bigger than yourself. For sure. So first, I think, I think it was, I could be poorly misquote or misquoting this, but I think that, I think it was Ron Bus that said, maybe that if you think you're, if you think you're very spiritual and enlightened, spend, spend a week with your family. And, you know, so I think that, <laughs> I think that um, my family constantly reminds me every day that I'm not a very, I'm not so spiritual, and I'm, and uh, you know, just because this, it's it's real. It's like you get to you get to see like no, I'm just like, you know, it, it's humbling. It's a humbling thing, and, uh, and 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 you learn a lot. And then, but also, I tend to be um, on the personality scale. I can handle. A little bit, I can handle. I can handle some uh, extrovert activity, but I tend to be an introvert. And uh, if I don't take a certain amount of time to do to do my meditation, to spend my time like like uh, one teacher that I really like, his name is T.S. Little. He talks about like going into your cave. If I don't, if I don't 
spend that time, then like there's no way I can show up and and uh, and and not be a, con a complete jackass. And uh, so that's really important. But then that that time, the alone time, is is very. Um, I feel like you get you get very deep in that alone time. Like uh, like was it was that a teacher that that you were saying was having those experiences with the meditation? Or yeah, and then but it was interesting that he had those, and then Vincent, who I respect too, he was like it was something he was chasing for a long time. This idea of some kind of just crazy level of you know like floating on clouds for the rest of your life, and it, mm -hmm. he just thought it was it was like the wrong focus. Mm -hmm. Like there was this, it was almost once like escape reality. Mm, um, yeah, and then yeah I there is escapism in yoga for sure. Yeah, People trying to like run away from there. Like I hate my husband. I'm gonna start going on yoga trainings and stuff <laughs> or whatever. Like that we get here or something. But yeah, there. I think there is like an escapism mentality. Like people trying to trying to hide out from their problems. And uh, and it's funny. My I have a I have another teacher. I got a bunch of. <laughs> another teacher that I really enjoy named uh, Vinny Marino and uh, he's in Los Angeles he uh, he kind of made this joke he's like well, what would you do today he's like you're such like a fan like when you know chop wood when you chop wood and they're like you know just like what's that is that the is it the um, the saying if yeah. after enlightenment or before enlightenment <laughs> chop wood fish water after enlightenment yeah yeah I feel like you know chop wood, just, fish, just trying to like trying to do the task at hand for the day as, yeah. as, as skillfully as I can. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's great. Right. Yeah. I think Ram Dass talked about too with Alice Deacon at these like experiences of something out of body and connection uh -huh. with everything. And this, I've kind of had met, uh, have you tripped out a lot? No, only a few times on hash. on hash. Um, but are you taking like mushrooms or LSD? I haven't taken mushrooms, but I don't know. I was like, when I took hash, I took it accidentally for one time. Actually, well, I was teaching a class. That's kind of another oh, really? story. Yeah, hash brownie. Oh, but um, that the world was spinning. I thought I was having like a mental breakdown or something for it. But then the next time, I knew it was happening, and I had this conscious, this I'd experienced deep layers of kind of some deep meditation. I could almost tap into that, and this, and I'm like, how's everyone not enlightened that's had that smokes weed because they've had this, <laughs> they've had the experience that I've had, but then they hadn't because it just it enhanced what they were focused on mm. and the set in the setting and this listen this rum dust podcast it all made sense it was like the set in the setting when the focus is on, um, but then the escapism quality to be able to come back and be like well I am in reality I've got a glimpse of kind of something beyond the mind, but then I'm here for a purpose as well like I'm not. Second, you almost got one foot at that door's just half ajar, so you can yeah. be like, I'm not so attached to everything, right. but but I'm that saying of Fitch Wood, you know, it'll enlighten people who still do their day job amazingly and they're meticulous with everything they do. And I'm like, oh, that's that's the spiritual practice. I need to tie my shoelaces better and, and uh, <laughs> pay my taxes, and like, and that's what I'm, I'm realizing all those details add up. Um, and that's almost the the practice for me right. now. But I thought that was a nice way of putting it. Have you had much experience with? I've had mushrooms. I'm quite interested in the the native hallucinogenics that people have taken for a long time. And we have like a lot of carver at our flat, which is like the Fijian roots, like underneath the test. Oh yeah, kind of makes you. Can you yeah. trip on carver if you drink enough of it? No, but just those kind of 
different oh, okay. sensations like it can right, mellow right. you out and and then the hash and the dope but i'm not i, I don't feel like i need a lot of it uh-huh. uh, well, i don't feel like i maybe even need it at all now like um yeah there's but, a period where i was taking mushrooms way too much i yeah. had like i had way too many mushrooms and i would take them too frequently and i think i really like i was on i was kind of on a quest to like I wanted to get at something deeper, so I was trying to do it through hallucinogenics. And every time I hallucinate, like some sometimes I have good trips, sometimes I have bad trips, depending on like my mindset going into it. But almost every time I like figure out reality and like the nature of everything and why we exist, and then I would like write it down, and then I would when I when I stop tripping, I'd read it later, just be complete gibberish and. And I, or I would like, I would explain. I would like call a friend and be like, "You need to listen. Like, so yeah, you tell me yeah. after the trip." And they're just like, "Yeah, you call me. Like, nothing. You were, you were talking about like how airplanes are like crazy." And that was like all you said. I was like, "No, I thought I had it figured out, but airplanes are kind of crazy." But anyways, yeah. So and there's like no, but I, I really do feel like there. It does open you up to like to seeing outside of outside of uh, our limited perspective. But uh, even in, it's funny, there's this thing, it's not really talked about that much, I don't know why, but when I first read the sutras, I was like, oh, far out. Like, it's, it says that you can have these different layers of samadhi, enlightenment experiences, and it says that you can have them through taking herbs, through taking different yeah. types of herbs. And so, like, I think of that to be like, oh, yeah, like, people were, people mm. were experimenting with this even back when this was written. Mm-hmm. And it said, like, you can have these, but that this, it said that they, they weren't, they actually weren't didn't have any root like they from how i read it in iangar's translation how he translated it that that they weren't they weren't as deep and as rooted as what you can get it if you just if you're practice, if you're doing self study on your own without taking the herbs so uh, but i yeah i think that a lot of my like really heavy experiences through meditation and yoga kind of they're, they're similar to some of the stuff that happened through the and I've had it all figured out too. I had really? It, yeah. Because I, I realized it was hyperboling all my insights. So if it was going downhill, it was going downhill fast. If it was going uphill, it was going uphill fast. So then I started thinking everything was perfect. And so I'm like, I'm going to get just deeper layers of perfection. So I'm just going to keep going up the... Until uh, I hit some infinity point and just like blissing out on <laughs> hyperboling, like just exponential... Um, perfection and then I remember that clearly I remember thinking I'm a child in an adult's body like at heart we're just kids we're we're trying to build up the sense of self of who we are Uh but we're just that's just some kind of fear-based game like we're just kids that in adults kind of bodies um and some other insights were like everything was in perfect harmony like just it's a perfect harmony they just met the right people at the right time the world was balanced out like you needed a trump to balance out these people and it was <laughs> it was it was interesting it was like everything's just perfect it's uh-huh. not we have to keep moving forward but it's perfect as it is yeah and like if you could accept that you'd be you'd just be kind of blissed out all the time right um and i tap into that now and again i hear like the dalai lama talk about the ideas like that and it kind of oh, he's, he's a rabbit yeah and it kind of makes there's, yeah, there's a deeper layer of being um, 
I'm sure there's a guys like the Dalai Lama who who showcased that too, but yeah, it's interesting. It's this, it's it's a tough one to say it's good or bad. It's, it's like anything, eh? it's too much. Too many corn chips is not good, but uh, they are good. Um, and uh, what if you had any books or movies that have kind of guided you? You talked about BKS, Light on Yoga. Yeah, he's got he's got a few good books that yeah. I read. Light on Life really blew my mind when I read when I read Light on Life. That that really flipped the switch for me. You got another book called Tree of Yoga. It's really good. His book Light on Yoga is like it's guy kind of look at it is it's like my reference manual for practicing um his daughter has a great book it's called yoga a gem for women but it is not just for women it, it's like i also use that as a reference manual and uh also his son prashant is just like the most far out like if you want to trip out on yoga philosophy he's got a lot of good he has a book uh just on triangle pose that's like you know like I think like 70 pages just on try. If you want to trip out just on all the ways you can trip out about trying, like that's how tripped out this guy is in, in the raddest way possible that I, I can say tripped out. And uh, so that's, that's really good. Um, that movie that we were just talking about. Oh, kid and fantastic. That was a yeah, great movie good. that I saw recently. I, uh, I watched a documentary on Woody Allen. I love Woody Allen. That oh, was cool. Um, was pretty inspired by him and yeah that's i've been going since i've been i've been blogging recently so i've been going back to some of those yoga books and and going through some of those that um there's like there's some really good chunks in some of those books that i really enjoy yeah i think there's a uh a tendency for well i'm definitely guilty of it i'm just searching for more and I haven't, and on this course, one of Tony's first gurus, teachers said, have, have you read this book? And he said, yeah, I've read it. And he said, how many times? And he was like, what do you mean? I've read it once. Hmm. And he's like, I've read that book 30 times. Or Whoa. Um, that was like the level of, you know, like the triangle pose, the 70 <laughs> pages of it. He like knew it inside and out at all the different layers of, of the book. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like going back to those original materials that have been around for the ages is, yeah, um, such a good process, eh? Yeah. Um, I feel like that with the yoga books, actually. I know this has inspired me to get back into reading a few of those. And um, I saw, oh, I also started reading Ulysses. Do you know about that book? Ulysses. Is it's, it? it's, like a, it's like a standard, but there's this, there's this artist named Mason Jennings that I really like. He's kind of like, he's like a Jack Johnson-y guy, but like oh, more see yeah. than that. But he, he, he's got a song about it, so I was inspired to read that book. It's uh, it's not that interesting. Uh, but it's, 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 it's a good book for like, uh, you want to read it's something really poetic. Yeah. Yeah, because your music's good. Is there any bands you kind of, you have like, lots of Jimi Hendrix and class and oh, yeah. uh, California rock and stuff yeah. and folk and, alternative like porter's head and yeah <laughs> is there any kind of uh bands you enjoy or, or people can follow your spotify obviously right yeah you and can, uh yeah, i got a few playlists on there i love i love classic rock i like oh, i grew up listening to the like my my parents were actually like 
pretty hardcore hippies. Like, my mom was, like, front row center at Woodstock and stuff. And so I grew up listening. And she, like, she made clothes for some of the bands. So, and, and they really, like, she, like, made these vests that they were all into. So she, like, made vests for, like, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young and uh, Led Zeppelin. And so she got, anyway, so I grew up listening to a lot of those bands. And so I kind of play, I play a lot of that stuff in class. And here in Laguna Beach, I think, like, the people really enjoy that. This is, like, a, a good group of people that I think a lot of people that grew up in that era. So I play a lot of that. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And back to the um, Spotify. So people can follow your music there. And then you've got your website, which is... Oh, thanks, man. You're full Yeah, you got to plug, you gotta right plug right there. you got to, like, <laughs> people got to find out what's... Uh, where to track you down because I did one of your classes online and just one of the free ones on YouTube and it was really good so um so you got your yoga channel which is yoga with Tim yeah it's called yoga with Tim on YouTube so if you just go to YouTube type in yoga with Tim it'll come up I got like a like almost 120 videos on there that's epic and what's the and your website's yoga with my website's yoga with Tim.com and you can pull you can pull up all the videos on there as well also we just on Wednesday I was filming that handstand course. So oh, also okay. I'm going to go live with it, a course on handstand. It's called the Course for Handstand. And it teaches like the most interesting things that I could say about handstand that you kind of learn for free in that class. Because so, <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I was like, I, it was all in my head at, after that. About a class yeah, I'm going to be doing this workshop on handstands when I come back to New Zealand. It's, it'll be similar to your one. But uh, yeah, no, it was, a good, it was a really good class. So that's going to be online as well. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be online. You can purchase that one if you're interested. Yeah. But then I got all the free videos on YouTube. And then also uh, I teach these, uh, I teach retreats. And I have a retreat coming up in Fiji in March. That's really pretty epic. Oh, nice. Um, oh, cool. And and uh, I always like this question from Tim Ferriss, which was, if you had one billboard or like message for the people, kind of one thing you wanted to change in the world, what would it what would it be? And he uh, he sometimes says, "Where would the the message be too?" If it was like a billboard or something, but I quite like just the one. If there's one thing you want to leave behind or just change, maybe it's something yeah. like super simple. Yeah, just. Uh, that's a heavy thing because you know you don't want to. What if you ch- you got to have like the, the Trump to to balance out the. I don't know if I get if you change it, it might butterfly effect and completely mess everything up. But no, I think uh, I think uh, if I I think really like an important thing for me right now as I've as I've been trying to figure out like what my message is at, at writing and blogging lately is is to just find something that you could do daily that works for you that you know help helps to give you perspective and remember you know that that we're here to add something that, you know we're here to add something i guess that that's i let's shorten it up that's a good one. <laughs> oh, cool man that's beautiful i appreciate your time and like fitting this in and your classes are like just rock solid. They're awesome. Oh, thanks, and man. so, yeah, what the work you're doing is like dope and I've really appreciated your time and just, yeah, just be able to connect with someone, you know, in a couple of days and just have a like amazing experience. So, man, you're doing that. You're adding a lot. So, appreciate it. Like, Doug, what you're doing, man. So, oh, thanks. Thanks, uh, <laughs> thanks for the time and keep up the good work and hopefully we'll get you down for some retreats and 
in Z. Oh yeah, you gotta come teach yeah. a workshop out there. Surf, yoga, handstand, uh, <laughs> the whole thing. Food retreat. Um, yeah. Fresh local. Beautiful. Cool. Should I be able to get a beard too? Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for asking me on. I really appreciate it. Well, that was Tim Sanasi bringing the sass. What a dude. And that message of just giving more. Oh, it's a good one. Take that. Uh, get into that mindset in the mornings of giving rather than getting. And, uh, oh, Lord knows I need to do some of that. Lord with an E knows. She's a bit of the truth too. But um, it was funny, we just had some Fijoas. Uh, we kind of talked about that in the podcast. Man, Fijoas are good. It's summer fruit season coming into uh, NZ Summer shortly, so I'm looking forward to I don't know if Fijoas are. They must be a summer fruit. I need to work on my... Uh, the fruit stone I'm going to be doing some gardening up north in Tiari this summer but um, for now so I hope you enjoyed that and um, maybe it's got you inspired to, to put some uh, to get upside down a little bit to eat some fijoas to get into that mindset of giving more not getting and that's what the world needs just growing yourself and then you can give it out keep doing that we'll all be happy as me. That's my goal anyway. Be the happiest person I can be. Only you know. It's inside. It's an inside job. And uh, speaking of inside jobs, I need some uh, inside bed sleep action. So enjoy wherever you are today listening to this. As always, think less, experience more, share more. That includes comments, reviews, but only if you really want to. And hope to hear from you all soon. Also, if you want to follow my progress, Instagram is probably the best one. I'm going to be posting up some videos, content about my trip there. And uh, hopefully we'll have something coming with the Tim in the near future. But uh, yeah, make sure you check out his site. Really cool stuff. So here's again Franco playing us out. Franco from the Gaia Tree. Little yoga song. Keep singing, people. Much love. Think less, experience more. I hope you dug it. Ciao for now. It's been a longest intro, outro either. Just made it longer again. Outro that keeps going. Outro of all outros. The Donald Trump of outros. In this present moment, when we trust without fear.